Today's episode of Dog Nation Daily is brought to you by Kroger, fresh for everyone. Presented by DogNation.com, this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Here's your host, Brandon Adams. Obviously, our attention for most of this week has been on SEC Media Days, but here on this Friday, time to put it back on to the uh, eyes, really, uh, when it comes to Georgia recruiting, because both today, here on this Friday, and then on Saturday, UGA setting up for some potentially very big recruiting news. I'm going to get to both those names and kind of where things seem to be standing right now. We'll get to that as it relates to Janelle Aguero, the safety, and Kelton Smith, the offensive lineman, here coming up in just a moment. But before we get into any of that, it seems pretty appropriate today, since recruiting is on our mind with big decisions on tap for the next couple of days, to kind of go back here for a moment involving something that Kirby Smart said about recruiting this week at SEC Media Days. Now, this is also more relevant in light of the fact that Kirby Smart has signed a contract which will now make him the highest paid coach in college football. It's quite a journey for him as a coach over the course of these years. He's still a very young man, but even a young man like Smart's been around now for a little while working his way up to coaching ranks. And those of you who are coaches at the high school level or whatever else, you know that when you're first getting started in your life as a coach, even if you eventually become a college coach, boy, those early days are not very glamorous. And it is a grind and it is work. And it is the kind of thing that at times feels a little bit thankless. Now, there's also a lot of joy that comes from being a coach, being a part of a team, helping players, growing friendships with other coaches. That's There's some cool rewards to being a coach that have nothing to do with uh, financial rewards. But nonetheless, early days of a coaching life this is not glamorous work whatsoever kirby smart's obviously become a great recruiter but this week during sec media days he was asked think back to that very first recruit you ever tried to nab think back to when you were just sort of finding your voice as what would become maybe the single best recruiter among head coaches in all of college football, what do you remember about way back then and in light of the contract that Smart just signed, in light of a few more recruits who could be joining the dogs here this weekend, going back and hearing Kirby Smart on that topic seems like a pretty appropriate thing. This is a slightly longer clip than we sometimes play, a little bit over a minute here, but I think it's worth it because it's a fun Friday topic and it also sets us up for where we need to go today. So this Kirby Smart this week, kind of going back in time and looking back on how things got going for him when he was just sort of finding himself as a recruiter this from this week. I think you evolve as a recruiter, right? So you, you don't just stay the same. If you stay the same, you get passed by. So it's really cool when you think about all the I feel like I've been recruiting forever and I'm 46 so uh, my first job I got cut by the Indianapolis Colts I was recruiting for Georgia in 1999 I think it was maybe 2000 I'm, 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 I'm recruiting there and I'm relatively young and I was a different recruiter then than I am now but my first recruiting story was probably at FSU because about a state we had to recruit kids but it wasn't as high profile you had to wait and see where kids went but I was a GA at FSU and a coach told me one time he said you want to be considered for an assistant coach job, you want to be treated like an assistant coach, dress, act, and recruit like one. And when you're a GA, nobody will treat you like a GA. He said, they'll treat you like an assistant coach if you act, behave, and, and, and present yourself that way. And everything you do, whether it's shaving before work, whether it's how you dress, and I thought, okay. So I approached it like I was an assistant coach. And I remember I recruited a kid out of Jacksonville, Florida. Um, I think he played at uh, Mandarin High School, but Tony Carter. I started recruiting him. I was allowed to go work camps, so I went and worked a camp he was at. I got to be around him for three or four days. I got a really good relationship with him. I was a graduate assistant 
Wilson at FSU and I ended up signing him and he was a top player in the country. And it let me know, it gave me the confidence that, you know what, I can go against these other coaches, even though I'm a graduate assistant. I think I've got a, a good bond with players. I played the position and um, it, was a, it was my first real recruiting battle and uh, he's still, he's now a coach. So he stays in touch, he comes and visits and, and he played the NFL for about 10 years. I mean, how good is that? Good because of Smart's willingness to kind of go back and reminisce from something from the past, something that he doesn't always seem to want to do, but also just a good life lesson in there. You know, you've heard it said, hey, dress for the job that you want, not the job that you have. And Smart kind of giving you sort of a real life, real world example of how that sort of worked out for him. And I mean, you know, you can remember Smart as a player, many of us do. And you obviously know what he became as a coach, even before he got to Georgia as defensive coordinator at Alabama. But that sort of period in between player and coach that we would all come to know, it's kind of hard to imagine that part. Even as like running backs coach at Georgia in 2005, it's like I don't, it's hard to go back and sort of picture him before he became the Kirby Smart that we all know. But that's really valuable audio there from Smart talking about some of those early days and lessons that he learned and the way in which he got comfortable enough in his own skin to be genuine in how he dealt with uh recruits that's really good stuff from kirby one of the things that i think makes sec media days fun and obviously fast forward back to the present and you know that somewhere along that path over the course of those years from then until now smart has essentially built this program at georgia around his recruiting success and he has hired assistant coaches that are able to follow in his footsteps on that same journey about being great recruiters and we know this weekend georgia has a chance to go out and prove that all over again let me start with what's going to happen on Saturday. You know, elite safety. He's technically, I guess, rated as a four-star, although he's like the 34th best player in the country, something like that. Knocking the door of really being a five-star safety is Janelle Aguero from Massachusetts after having been at IMG Academy. And on Saturday, Aguero is getting ready to make his decision. He's been kind of teasing that on social media a little bit. I'll show you some of that on the screen there from him getting excited about getting ready to go. He says, almost that time a few days that go there on uh, social media he's getting ready to do all of that and obviously for georgia fans this is one of the most pivotal battles for this 2023 class especially with the sense that as a five-star safety caleb downs gets ready to make his decision coming up pretty soon really just a couple of days he announced that uh yesterday but with Downs seemingly trending away from georgia all the bigger spotlight that now comes in on Aguero as he gets ready to make his choice and we know how the battle lines are drawn for Aguero right now at least those who are following this very closely that it's thought to be kind of a Georgia Miami battle here and in this 2023 cycle Miami kind of conjures up all this talk related to NIL they have been at least in this cycle uh, maybe the if not certainly among the most aggressive programs in terms of leading with nil is their number one recruiting pitch for why they want to get a player it's given some georgia fans a little bit of anxiety as it battles for uh miami despite the fact that aguero over and over has cited lots of good things that he sees at georgia when it comes to his relationship with the dogs and as we lead into Saturday, when Aguero makes his announcement at some point in time during that day, let's go back to a story that Jeff Sintel wrote with Janelle Aguero not too long ago at DogNation.com, where Aguero got into more detail about why Georgia has been such an ever-present factor in his recruiting. Let me read you this from Aguero uh, with Jeff Sintel at Dog Nation. He says, Georgia has always been one of my top favorite schools 
since the beginning of the process for me. Kind of uh, once they offered me, they have been on board with me right away. Kirby Smart and I have a great relationship. Coach Muschamp and I have a great relationship. Uh, Coach and I left, but now that Coach Fran Brown is there, he and I have been building up that relationship. I would say it's pretty good. That's what uh, Janelle Aguero told Jeff Sintel recently about his relationship with UGA and why some Georgia fans, despite the late push from Miami, have remained confident that eventually uh, Aguero will land with the dogs. And it's interesting there to hear uh, Aguero, in addition to mentioning Kirby Smart, who we know is such a big factor for these defensive backs, also mentioning Will Muschamp, too. And, you know, Muschamp, to have a, a figure like that on your coaching staff right now, you already know this, just incredibly valuable for UGA because I think you would assume that he has probably traveled a similar path to what tra- Kirby Smart has traveled. You know, Kirby can say early days working at Valdosta State, you know, being a grad assistant, learning what I've learned, and cultivating that knowledge over the course of years now decades making me the kind of person I am and to have a guy like Will Muschamp who's both taking on some extra responsibilities as co-defensive coordinator but also such a huge factor in defensive back decisions like the one that Janelle Aguero's about to make Aguero citing him by name along with new cornerbacks coach Fran, uh, Fran Brown as why he might want to come to UGA Georgia fans already know this, but this just accentuates the point further that the experience that Muschamp brings to the table will be viable for the dogs on the field this season as he sort of steps in to help replace Dan Lanning. But it's also completely invaluable, totally, totally uh, of the highest importance when it comes to these sort of recruiting battles like the one that Georgia has waged for Aguero is about to make his decision. All the more reason why the stuff that Smart said last week in that big room podium uh, regarding Will Muschamp, the expanded role that he's taking on this year, the experience brings with him all the more reason why these words are relevant. This is what Smart said about Muschamp this week as Muschamp looms as a big figure for Janelle Aguero on Saturday. Here's Kirby again. Will's been a tremendous asset for me as a head coach because you value people who have been in your seat. So Todd Muckin's been a head coach. You know, Matt Luke was that way for us as well. He'd been a head coach. Mel Tucker had been in a lot of roles before he left us. So I value that experience he's had in understanding uh, the do's and don'ts, things, ways to do things, how to practice, how you run your organization. And also it gives you ability to delegate too. You've got to take some things off your hand. I can focus my attention in other areas if I know he's in charge of something because he's done it. And he's, he's, he's been unbelievable. He's a great staff guy. He's, he's, he's super positive with our players. Players enjoy and love being around uh, Coach Muschamp. And I'm just very thankful that he and his family um, are on our staff and with our program. A shorter version of what Kirby Smart just said there might be, hey, if I give Will Muschamp a task, I don't have to worry about it getting it done because he's responsible enough, experienced enough to be able to do just that. Well, guess what? Muschamp's been on the task as it involves trying to win over Janelle Aguero, and that job could be finished off on Saturday as he gets ready to make his choice. Now, that's Saturday. How about today on this Friday as we record the show? We are also awaiting word from Kelton Smith. Very impressive four-star offensive lineman out of the Carver program in Columbus. One of the uh, obviously great flagship programs in our state. One of the most successful. And Kelton Smith obviously can address a need that Georgia has, which is bringing in big-time offensive linemen. That's been one of the hottest topics for Georgia fans thus far with this 2023 class. And Smith could be a bit of an answer there on that. I'll show you him on social media teasing his announcement, saying I'm going to be committing on July 22nd at 5 p.m. Eastern time. Well, guess what? Today is July 22nd, and we're speaking to you in the 10 a.m. hour as we record this live. 
Uh, but at 5 p.m. Eastern time today, we'll find out what Smith is bringing to the table here. Now, there are a lot of Georgia fans that feel pretty confident about the dogs in this battle. For one thing, Georgia's had pretty deep roots in that Columbus area for quite some time. And when Smith spoke to our Jeff Sintel at Dog Nation, who, by the way, is on vacation right now, I'll be back next week. But when Smith recently spoke to Jeff Sintel at Dog Nation, admitting that Georgia is his leader, which is something that not all recruits want to do, but in admitting that Georgia is his leader, he talked about some of the ties that the UGA program has had to uh, both Carver High School, where Smith goes, but the Columbus town in general, as part of the reason why he's been such a strong UGA lean. Let me show you the quote here from uh, Kelton Smith there on that. He says, every time I go there to Georgia, I feel like I'm at home. I've got some family and some famous people there I, uh, I grew up playing football with uh, my whole life, like Mikael Williams and then Del McGee. Uh, just being from Columbus, he checks on me a lot. He actually knows my uncle, my great uncles, and all of that. We went to school and they grew up together. That's another big thing. That's uh, Kelton Smith talking about the uh, deep ties he has to Georgia because uh, Dale McGee, former coach there at uh, Carver High School, uh, Mikael Williams, who Georgia just won a big recruiting battle for in the class of 2022. He didn't go to Carver, but he is from Columbus. So uh, Kelton's like, well, I guess all the big football guys from uh, Columbus end up at UGA here these days. So why wouldn't I do the same thing? It may not be quite as simple as that and quite as easy as that. But certainly, you would certainly expect a guy like Dale, who does, you know, former Carver coach, does know uh, that area so well that you would expect that he would help out Stacey Searles there on that and be a big factor in this. And obviously, you see a guy like Mikhail Williams leaving Columbus to come up here to UGA and the expectations, the excitement that's growing around him. And if you're Kelton Smith, different position, other side of the ball. But why would you not want to follow in all of that? So it's another chance for a big win for the dogs today with Smith and then with Janelle Aguero there on Saturday. Kirby told you a lot of stories this past week about how he's grown up as a recruiter along his way to becoming the highest paid coach in college football. It's big recruiting wins that's allowed him to earn that money. And Kirby may earn a couple of more here before this weekend is done. My name's Brandon Adams, and this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. We're presented by Kroger. We're glad to have you with us, no matter how you get to us today. Live on video, we start at 945, first and 15, dognation.com, Dog Nation app. We're 10 a.m. after that, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch, Radio Noon, App and Sports Radio 960 Ref, podcast, wherever you find them, including the world-famous dognation.com. Really happy to have you here. And a big thanks to our friends at Kroger for making it all possible. Now, let me do two things with you as it relates to Kroger right now. Both of these uh, related to some of the great children here in our audience. One of those things is, you've heard me tell you about Kroger Chef Jr. before. You've got another chance to experience Kroger Chef Jr. this month coming up on July 30th. Uh, I guess that's a week from tomorrow, July 30th a chance to be a part of that great experience and make some veggie dip. I think it's fun for kids if they want to eat healthy, you know, being a part of the meal preparation, a great way to do that. That's one of the things that Kroger Chef Jr. gives you a chance to do. Also, each child just $7, but a lot comes with that. You're going to get a chance to get an apron and patch, a chef's hat. First of all, who wouldn't love a chef's hat? I'd love to have one right now. Chef's hat, recipe card, and a box. And of course, the spatula there as well. All of that just $7 per child making some veggie dip here this month kroger chef jr for more on that uh kroger chef jr for more on uh that make sure you check that out i think we got the wrong website up there let's see if we can uh, get that KrogerChefJr.com. remember junior is spelled out j-u-n-i-o-r that's j-u-n-i-o-r for more on that kroger chef jr today on that let me also tell you as well about what's going to go down with um our 
Five Star Kids giveaway, courtesy of Kroger. You've been hearing us say this, and your chance to get involved with this is still out there as well. When it comes to really, really great experience to honor some of the kids in our audience who are just doing great things. We did this a year ago. It was so much fun. Uh, we got a lot of kids who are just, you know, good kids, right? They're good neighbors. They're a good brother. They're a good sister. Uh, they're just, you know, doing right at school. Or, you know, we just want to celebrate some of the children in our audience as we head towards the start of the school year. And we're going to do this by honoring some Kroger five-star kids. Now, if your child or a child you know is selected as one of our Kroger five-star kids, uh, you're going to get a uh, a, a package of gift cards worth $250, also a Kroger Five Star Kids t-shirt, which is a really cool thing there as well. So you can send your nomination in right now to the email address info at dognation.com. Info at dognation.com. That's the email to nominate a child that you know or your own child to be one of our Kroger Five Star Kids. We'll, we'll draw five names at random. And then starting the week of August 1st, we'll start announcing those right here on the show. Now, if you need more details, if I'm talking too fast for you, you can't get all of this, then just go to dognation.com and you can read a lot more about that. But a couple of cool things with Kroger coming up for some of the kids in our audience, Kroger Chef Jr. and our five-star kids giveaway courtesy of Kroger. So go to dognation.com to get a lot more information on that. All right, before I do around the doghouse and tell you more about today's show, let me also briefly mention this as a housekeeping note. So on Monday, we have already pre-recorded a show to air that day. I have to be out of the studio. I am on assignment, as they say, representing Dog Nation uh, at an event there that day. So I can't be here. Uh, We have a really good show plan. We actually talked to John Stinchcomb yesterday, just after the Kirby Smart contract had been announced. John's on the UG Athletic Board. He's one of the guys responsible for sort of uh, voting to to affirm that contract. So we had a lot of good thoughts on Kirby, reaction to SEC media days. We have some really good stuff with John on all of that. The future of the Georgia-Florida rivalry in Jacksonville, John, has a pretty good take on that too. So this is a really good, timely show to air on Monday that we recorded yesterday. Now, the one thing that obviously we won't be able to do on Monday's show is give you immediate reaction to Kelton Smith's commitment announcement today, whatever it might be, uh, Janelle Aguero's commitment announcement on Saturday, whatever that might be. So here's what we're going to do for that. We're going to be live on video on Saturday. And the audio from that video, I'm going to attach to Monday's podcast. If you watch the show on video, then the same feed that you watch the show on video on Facebook, YouTube, whatever else, you can see our video from Saturday. I'm going to do it with Connor Riley. We're just going to kind of react to some of the, the recruiting stuff that goes on. You can see that there in that same feed, and I hope you will go find it. And then we're back here live on Tuesday. We'll just sort of recap everything else that happened. So hopefully this makes sense. We're pre-recorded on Monday. Very good show. That should be our last pre-record until next year. We're going to roll through the entire 2022 season after that. But I did have to be out on Monday. So we're pre-recorded. We'll attach a little bit of recruit reaction to the podcast and the video feed. We'll also include uh, a little bit of a live chat there on Saturday right after Aguero makes his choice, whatever time that ends up being and whatever he announcement he makes we'll go live and we'll react to some of that there so i hope you'll seek it out and find it and then we'll be back here in our normal live format there on tuesday any questions about that hopefully that all makes sense uh for now we're going to do something a little bit different today too you know jeff Sintel's on vacation you also may be aware that we did not get a chance to speak to mike griffith on wednesday his normal time so we'll get a little bit of a reaction to uh all of SEC media days with Mike here coming up in a moment. Before that, though, let me see if I can kind of roll through an SEC, I uh, should say, uh, around the doghouse. Uh, let me see if I can roll through an around the doghouse here. 
somewhat quickly uh, just related to uh, the Kirby Smart contract and what I think the aftermath of that contract is going to end up being. As you know, and Dog Nation had good reporting on this, that Kirby Smart is now essentially the highest paid coach in college football. We don't know what like the private school coaches make, but we have plenty of reason to assume that Smart is like now the highest paid coach in the sport. I think we may have some of the specific uh, numbers we can throw for you on the screen. Maybe not. We had that yesterday. But um, Smart's essentially going to make like $11 million per year over the course of the next 10 years. It's, it sort of stair steps its way up to just over 12 by the time the contract is done in 2031. But basically like $11 million a year for the next 10 years. This is a very rich, well-paid guy, essentially the highest paid coach in the sport. Now, I think that Smart's earned the money. Uh, I don't think any Georgia fan would dispute that. I don't really count other people's money very much. That's just kind of the way all of that goes. It's not very controversial at all for Georgia fans that Smart's going to make the money that he's going to make. We'll talk more to Mike Griffith about this in just a moment. But one thing I think you can certainly conclude is, is that as the highest paid coach in college football, there is a little bit of an extra responsibility that goes along with that. And there's a little bit of extra attention he's going to get because he's so well paid. Yeah, you see the money there, uh, you know, essentially culminating in $12.25 million at the end come 2020, uh, 2031, starting at ten point two five here right now. So that's what the UGA Athletic Department kind of released on that uh, yesterday. Big bucks there for Kirby Smart. And as you've heard it said before, to who much is given, much is required. And there's an extra level of leadership responsibility that I believe that Smart will take on, probably has to take on, I would guess probably wants to take on related to this. Because think about the other guys who are very highly paid in college football right now. Like Smart's new contract, I think, surpasses Lincoln Riley. And given the choice for the direction in which Riley might want to lead the sport compared to the choice in which Kirby Smart might want to lead the sport, those might be two very different visions for the sport, at least you might guess. Another guy, Jimbo Fisher, long contract. Fisher kind of joked the other day that because of his 10-year deal, he feels like he's owed a little bit of a commission on Smart's 10-year deal because Fisher kind of got the ball rolling on 10-year contracts. Well, once again, Fisher, the extra attention that comes from being that highly paid, he has a platform from which to lead. And if he had his choice, he might lead the sport in a different direction than Smart's choosing to lead. And, and that's kind of one of those deals where Smart, at a very young age, being paid what he's paid right now, has the kind of influence that he can actually have a say in where the sport goes in the future. And I hope he does use to choose to use it that way. I hope he does kind of sh- kind of push the sport where he wants it to go using the, the influence that comes from the salary that he's making. And I'll give you a perfect example of how I hope this works out. There's been some reporting this week about a recommendation by you know one of these fancy NCAA committees about the future of the transfer rule in college athletics. The idea, and I'll show you this from Dennis Dodd on Twitter, the idea that in the future there are people within the NCAA who are recommending that the transfer rule be done away with completely. What Dodd wrote on Twitter was, Uh, that this happened this week, that the NCAA Council has endorsed a concept that would eliminate the blanket rule prohibiting transferring more than once. In other words, right now, you sort of have the free one-time transfer. What Dodd says some within the NCAA want to do is say, well, it's no longer a one-time transfer. Now transfer as much as you want. And I don't mind telling you, I think this is a terrible idea. And I have, if I had to assume, I think that Smart probably thinks it's a bad idea there as well. At least I hope that he does. And my hope is, given the influence that he has over college football as the highest paid coach in the sport, that he would speak out on something like this. And if he does, he's going to take some criticism for doing so. I mean, you see that this week, even the most 
tepid analysis of the NIL situation, the most sort of tepid suggestion that maybe not everything is perfect with NIL. Think about all the like the you know blowhards on TV that lost their mind over that. It almost seems like as if there are some opinions right now you're just not allowed to express. There are some opinions right now that you're just not allowed to have. And smart by even suggesting that something might not be perfect with NIL drew their ire. But guess what? Leadership requires courage. I don't think that Smart's going to stop saying the things that he wants to say just because he makes ten or eleven million dollars a year. I don't think he has to be embarrassed by that money because I believe he's earned it. And I hope he uses that that platform for even additional leadership on stuff like this. And I think you have reason to believe that Smart might do that. Because here's what I think that Smart and coaches like him sort of understand. If you've got guys transferring every single year, if you've got guys moving from from, from team to team to team, it's almost like they never form the bond with their players the way that they could and when you go back and listen to georgia players in this past year's team smart himself it's pretty clear that they thought the bond they formed together the time they spent together year over year in some cases it's what actually helped them win a national championship but even if it didn't it helped them be better people and it certainly helped them enjoy their year more because they felt like they had a shared experience with the guys they were competing with, with the guys they were working with, with the guys they were growing with. And if this transfer rule were to take effect where all of a sudden now you can be on four different teams over the course of a four-year period, I don't have to tell you that a lot of people would be missing out on what makes college football special for so many other players, which is growing to know your teammates, creating a bond with your coaches as a part of the team that you're on. In fact, Smart talked a little bit about that this week. So before we bring on Mike Griffith, let me let you hear Kirby on that point. I've talked a little bit about it, about the skull sessions and the, the commitment we had to our kind of team DNA. So we spent a lot of time last all season coming off of the COVID season on bonding as a team. Time, bonding as a team, we sacrificed a lot of meeting time on football to say, you know what, let's just get in these groups and have these open sessions and, and have these hot mic sessions where you can come in and talk about anything you want to talk about and get to know somebody. And I don't know, the players really bought into it. And they, they don't do it unless you do. So we had, uh, I don't know what you would call them, uh, informational packets each week. They, the coaches had to present this material, almost like a curriculum, like you're teaching a class. And I thought that the coach buy-in made the players buy-in. Therefore, there was this really great connection um, that the players enjoyed being around. They embraced that. They thought that was a weapon, like a, like a pass play. So I don't have to tell you this. The vision of the sport that Smart describes there is far better to me, to me than the vision of the sport that the NCAA suggests where, hey, just transfer as much as you want. Wild West, you know, don't worry about being a part of a team. Don't worry about making a commitment to anybody else. Just do what's best for yourself year after year after year. And if that creates additional levels of unhappiness for you, well, then don't worry about that. Just go out there and try to find a new team. You know, change your circumstances year after year after year. Never commit to anything. Like, I don't have to tell you that I think Smart's vision for the sport is expressed in this comment. It's just a better version of that. And given the additional platform that he now has because he's the highest paid coach in the sport, I sort of, I sort of hope he uses that platform to sort of fight for the betterment of the sport and continuing to show the courage of leadership to say when things are veering in the wrong direction to step up and say, this is not the way that I think things ought to be. I hope we hear more of that from Kirby Smart. So that is Around the Doghouse. This is a Dog Nation Daily presented by Kroger here today. Normally on a Friday, it's on the road with Jeff Sintel, assisted by AAA. What do you say we give a shout out to AAA as we also welcome in Mike Griffith? Now, he's been on the road a little bit himself, leaving Athens to come to Atlanta, covering SEC Media Days. So let's cover everything going on with Mike right now here on the program. Glad to have you with us and hope you're getting ready for a great weekend. 
happens at across the SEC or wherever the recruiting trail may lead. Here's a DogNation.com insider. I'm a little bit late getting to a Mike Griffith, and I apologize for that. Want to be respectful of his time, but glad to have him here on a Friday. Mike, hope you're doing well. Certainly a fascinating run through SEC Media Days uh, here this week. I want to talk to you about that coming up, but also uh, as soon as Georgia's appearance at Media Days was done, we also found out that uh, Kirby Smart, the contract that we knew was coming, uh, is finalized now, and Smart's a very well-paid man after having already been a pretty well-paid guy, uh, but he's now essentially the highest-paid coach in the sport. Uh, what's your reaction to the contract that Smart signs and kind of what it means here? Uh, what do you think about the deal that gets done for Kirby? Yeah, I mean, it's 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 uh, it's the right price at the right time. I mean, I feel like Kirby's earned the right to be the highest-paid coach in college football. He's on top of the sport. Uh, you know, he's delivered to put Georgia, you know, in the championship circle in, in six years. Uh, took him to the championship game in year two. And, you know, you're talking about five straight top seven finishes, Brian. I mean, that's unprecedented. It's never happened in Georgia history. I, I don't know how many programs can say that. Maybe Alabama's done it, Ohio State, Clemson perhaps. Uh, but you're, you're talking about you're, you're talking about elite, right? You're talking about an annual championship contender, and uh, you know those. That, that's just it's it's just a rarity. So I'm happy for Kirby. Uh, I'm happy for Josh Brooks. Let's give a shout out to Georgia. Uh, and I'm doing a column right now. I don't mind tipping your audience on it uh, because I appreciate Dog Nation Daily so much. But you know how in the world does Josh Brooks keep ticket prices stable? Uh, you know when Georgia's giving out a record-setting contract and, you know, enhancing Sanford Stadium and has the highest uh, salary for assistant coaches in the nation. I mean, um, these are just – I, I just got to tell you, these are the good old days. And, I, and I've been around them before at other programs. I just hope Georgia fans recognize what a special time this is and uh, enjoy it, appreciate it. At the same time, though, keep your edge – Keep your edges sharp because the dogs are going to be in for a fight if they're to return to the playoffs. Yeah, you know my story about how I got a, you know became a Georgia fan, things like that. My grandfather took me to games, uh, Mike, when I was a kid, and like he would tell stories back then of like I was a child in the '80s and started going to games kind of like mid to late '80s. That's when I started going to a lot of games, and he would sort of tell stories of sort of like the pre-Herschel era in the 70s when he was a season ticket holder my grandfather not a uga grad either uh just a guy that liked going to george football games but like back in like the late 70s kind of pre-herschel he'd say you know i'd have these tickets and i didn't always have somebody that wanted to go spend their entire saturday going to athens going to a football game it wasn't always easy to get somebody to kind of want to come along with you to a game back then and when i came along he was just sort of happy to have a companion to go with him to the games and I think that sort of speaks to kind of where the program is now. As you said before, like these truly are the good old days. And obviously, Georgia's had, you know, periods of success in the past. But, I mean, can you imagine having tickets now? That'd be such a hot commodity. And, you know, just any kind of access to the program whatsoever is such a such a you know valuable you know commodity in and of its own right like you don't have to look very far to find the evidence of just how much the stature of this program has grown it's always been a big program it's always been kind of a flagship program in college sports but it is visibly obviously grown under kirby smart and that's really kind of what the money's for it's a payoff for the way in which that his vision has created a a behemoth with Georgia football that's even bigger than it's ever been in the past. And I think Georgia fans, as much as anybody, I think they probably just sort of understand that. I think they do. I, I think they do. I think they appreciate it. And I think that it's, again, it's a special time. Uh, and it's great for Georgia to be on top right now in this period of transition with 
I mean, I, I saw Division Division One Council uh, thing the other day. Be where they're talking about maybe just unlimited, you know, player transfers. Forget one, transfer twice. I mean, yeah. it's just this is such an incredible time in college football history. I mean, I mean, we're we're just now starting to you know get over the whole you know COVID season thing, and it's just been one blockbuster move after another with the divisional realignment and or excuse me, conference realignment with Oklahoma, Texas, and now UCLA, USC, potential other changes in television contracts, uh, transfer portal, NIL, record-breaking deals. Uh, I mean, this is just, uh, it's just a phenomenal time if you're a college football fan, whether you like or dislike the changes. Uh, you know, you, you're, you're essentially watching, you know, Man Walk on the Moon in terms of you know, historical significance or the introduction of the Internet or, or the start of the Dog Nation program with Brandon Adams. <laughs> We're talking about historically significant events happening now. Yeah, and I kind of talked about this before you joined us, which is that when you think about, and I mentioned the NCAA transfer proposal specifically here, that with Smart being the highest paid coach, there's an additional level of attention that comes with that, which gives him a bigger pro- platform from which to lead. And if I had to guess, you know, Smart's vision for the future of college football might be different than, like, say, Lincoln Riley, another young coach who's also very well paid, that 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 you may have two competing visions for leadership. And a guy like Jimbo Fisher, who's kind of in a similar category, at least in terms of the length of his contract, you know, Smart's vision for the future might be different than Jimbo's there as well. We saw Kirby sort of step up and say some things related to NIL this week. I think a lot of what he had to say was completely misconstrued. But you do see an example of if you are in any way critical of some of the changes that are taking place in college football, there are a bunch of national types that just have their pitchforks out. It almost seems as if there are certain opinions right now that you're not allowed to have, and there's a mob in place to coerce you from expressing this opinion whatsoever. But leadership requires courage. And I hope the same courage that Smarts showed this week those will sort of speak out about some concerns that he has now that he's the highest paid coach in college football i hope he continues to show that courage and speak out when necessary including on some of this transfer stuff there as well there's no way it's good for the players to be on four different teams in four years there's just no way that's good for players and hopefully coaches like kirby showing a little bit of uh courage to step up and say hey you know we want to keep doing right by players, even if what's right isn't quite what they want. We still need to do right by players. Mike, I hope Kirby uh, keeps speaking that way, especially now that he's got the platform to be even heard in a, in a louder you know, way because of it. Well, you, you talk about the factions out there, BA and the canceled culture, and that selection of your flashbacks here. <laughs> I mean, the mind control uh, you know, but but here's the thing, though. I, I, I'm with you, and, and I share a, a very similar sentiment, but at the same time, I think we've got to be savvy enough to recognize that Kirby needs to maintain his fluidity, and, and sometimes it's dangerous, um, you know, to, to make statements that, you know, maybe in two or three or four years you're going to regret, or that maybe in two or three or four years are going to be used against you. You mentioned Lincoln Riley and, and, the, and the different approach that he might take or might be forced to take, or maybe Steve Sarkeesian. I mean, you know, you've got to be, to your point, you've got to be very careful what you say because your intent may not necessarily translate to how it's construed, especially when, as you said, there are parties that are eager to to twist and turn this thing different ways for for whatever agenda. So I, I kind of feel like we're in a transition um, in terms of our mindset with college football, I feel like there's a bit of a tug of war going on between 
you know, some traditionalists, uh, you know, like ourselves for the most part, and, you know, kind of the, the new way of thinking. I mean, it's, it's almost like, you know, okay, well, this is the day of athletes, right? And, I'm, and I'm, by the way, I'm on this side too. College coaches have made a lot of money off of athletes for a long, long time. Now the athletes are starting to make some money. And these college coaches no longer have the leverage that they once had with their roster management or their scholarship offers. And players are now able to negotiate because everything's above board. You know, before when it was underground, it was all kind of hush-hush who was getting what. And, and let's just drop all pretenses. Pro- programs have been breaking rules and paying players for, for years and years and years. That's, that's, I think we all know that to different degrees, okay? But it was all hush-hush, quiet, and so nobody was going to talk about what they were making, right? It's like, hey, nobody talk about your salary at the office. There's a reason companies say that. Same way they didn't want players talking about their salaries with other players. Well, now that it's above board, and Brian Kelly talked about this at, at the uh, Dustin Spring meetings, they've literally got players saying, hey, coach, you know, look, um, you know, Team A's giving me $1.5 million. What are you going to do for me? And the thing is, there's no way for the coaches to verify whether that player is really getting the offer. Because on the one hand, they're free to talk about it. On the one hand, they're free to, you know, negotiate or throw that out there. But the schools can't really say anything because, A, one, they're not allowed to use NIL to recruit. But, B, there's no proof of what that kid's really getting offered. So now what do you do when a, when a top-notch recruit, uh, you know, you're going up against Miami for a recruit for, let's just throw that out there as an example. How much is Miami really offering this? How do you know? Do you really know? Can you see it in black? Who is the? Is there an agent? Is there a middleman here, it, it, or is it just? Well, you know, are you gonna? Well, you know, we'll we'll talk about that once you get here. I guarantee you, they're not saying we're, we'll talk about that once you get here. In other places, think about the pickle that these coaches are in in these high-profile recruiting battles. It is it is a challenge like no other time, and uh, so I, and I see both sides of it. Right, I see the validity of saying, "Hey, look, you you aren't going to get paid anything until you get here." But let's apply that to our lives. Let's say, let's say we're applying for a job, and, they, and, they, and it comes to the salary part of the, the equation. Well, can you tell me what I'm going to be making here? Nope, not till after you've worked here for six months. Then we'll decide what we're going to pay you. Let's be honest. Are you taking that? Probably not. So we're kind of applying real-world rules to college football, which has kind of been in this little fantasy land of amateurism, except for those players getting paid under the table. And that's why this is such a crazy time because our, our, um, our court system does not support the system that's in place. It's all about free enterprise. And so we're saying, well, that's apples and oranges. Well, it, it can't be apples and oranges anymore. It's got to be all oranges now is what our court system is saying and the direction this is heading. So that's why coaches have to be very careful how they address the situation, even while you and I completely understand and can agree with with many facets of that logic. Yeah, there's certainly plenty we could talk about this all day long. On let me, I think you bring up some interesting points. Let me shift gears to something else here for a moment. To me, SEC Media Days 
is as close to a three ring circus as you're ever going to get. And I mean this literally because they're like three things going on at once. Like it's sort of hard to follow it all because you've got, you know, various wow. rooms where coaches kind of move from place to place to place. It's, you know, even for someone who sort of does this for a living, you know, sort of absorbing all the information, not an easy thing to do. So you were there the entire time. I thought you and Connor Riley both had outstanding coverage. I really did. I enjoyed ever re- reading every word of it, whether it be from Georgia or some of the other stuff that came out. So, Mike, I want to give you the floor here for a second. Just two or three things that you thought were interesting, either about Georgia or you know, Georgia rivals or anything else, what stood out to you about the week we just had there at SEC Media Days? Well, first of all, I would agree with you. And and I'm a big fan of the SEC Network, as you know. I don't know any other conference, league, whatever, where you've got legends walking around. You know, uh, Tim Tebow's and, 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 you know, Jordan Rogers and Chris Doring and Jacob Hester and Cole Kubelik and Tequil Spikes and, and Ben Watson and, and, and uh, supermodel Laura Rutledge, who does an incredible job. I mean, not only, you know, I mean, she's just a cool person. And that adds another layer to it, as you said, the three-week ring circuit. The radio row upstairs, which is just an unbelievable hodgepodge of about 40 or 50 stations. And by the way, I I got a charge out of seeing you in the room. You know, you came blazing through there in the Red Dog Nation shirt. And I was like, this is representing. I mean, it was really cool to see you in the room and in the mix, right? You don't see a lot of these other radio guys uh, or, or commentators kind of in the pit doing their homework and, and scrapping it out and getting their questions in. So it was really cool to see you there on Georgia Day PA and, and doing doing your research for, I don't know what shows, but I mean, that, that sort of knowledge is irreplaceable, that boots on the ground approach. And I tip my cap to you because that's hard work. And like I said, a lot of guys just stay behind the microphone, but you know, we've seen you at media days over and over and over in Athens, and so it was really cool to see you over there in that mosh pit. So that's one thing. To your point, I agree with you. The, the whole three-ring circus concept and the way it's set up, if people could have seen it, the radio robes above the floor, you got the buzz on the floor, you got the SEC Network stage. It's just, it's it, for me, it's a haven. I, I absolutely love that event. So that's one. I'm in agreement with you that the three-ring circus aspect at the College Football Hall of Fame, nonetheless. Two. Uh, just, just you know, I, I was reminded by, you know, some of the bombastic, some too ridiculous uh, performances by coaches on the stage. I mean, some of the things these coaches said were just were ridiculous. I mean, Vanderbilt, Clark Lee, saying that at some point Vanderbilt's going to be. I mean, I, that was one of the most. And Jimbo Fisher, it's unfortunate that this private matter got public. You held yeah. a damn press conference. Yeah. You know, it, but then I'm reminded, and these guys are so persuasive. And of course they are. Because there's a reason why they're making tens of millions of dollars because they're some of the most persuasive, effective leaders in the country. And it's like a contest. They all get up there and they all spin it their way. And if you're a Georgia fan, oh, yeah, Kirby's right. Everybody hates Stetson. He was, he was the MVP of the championship game. He was the – stop it. He was the MVP blue with the Blue Angels. He – I mean – no, I, they not that disrespectful. Well, he didn't rank in the top. Well, we're talking about NFL, so but everybody's got their pitch. Everybody wants to pitch it their way and serve their flavor of Kool Aid. Whether it's Vanderbilt or Nick Saban, how about this, Brandon? When he just asked about getting beat by Kirby and Jimbo, he takes his well, you know, you almost expect it sooner or later. Come on, Saban doesn't want to hear that question. He doesn't want to talk about getting beat by Jimbo and Kirby in the same year, but he puts this ridiculous spin out there 
somehow I'll be like, well, you know, yeah, I guess that's right. And so to me, just the coaches' performances, because that's what they were, and I give them credit. You know, how, how about Byron Hartson coming out there? Some of you out there didn't think I'd be here. Yeah, no kidding. Did you really just say that? Okay, well, I've seen an Auburn fan. Oh, I, I thought he did a good job. I, I thought that was really – you think that's good, huh? I think that's, I think that's terrible. <laughs> that's some of the worst PR management I've ever seen. But everybody's looking for the positive right now. Everybody's trying to talk about what a great job their team did. Everybody's drinking the Kool-Aid. So that, to me, is always fun to see how these coaches and hear how these coaches are going to spend it. And then on a, on a more serious note, the guy that I was the most impressed with, and, and, and I could be way off, but I, I, I bumped into Tebow this week, and I had some private conversation with him, and he kind of tipped me off on some Anthony Richardson stuff. And, and then I talked with Anthony Richardson. And let me tell you, I don't know that Anthony Richardson has any sort of supporting cast. I don't know what the Gators have at receiver running. I don't think it's very good, okay? I don't think Florida will, you know, if they finish 500 in the league. But that guy, out of all the players that went through there, impressed me the most. Not just from his sheer size and, and the grace and, and the stories that I was told by really good people that know what's going on, but the poise that he showed when I asked him about the final three minutes of the first half uh, in Jacksonville, um, you know, that's a, that's a mature guy. Okay. That's a guy that's grown up a lot and, and he kind of won me over and I'm, I'm really going to be interested to see what type of player uh, he turns. Could he be another Lamar Jack? Could he, could, could he be a Jalen? I don't know. I don't know that BA, but I liked what I saw in his eyes and the poise. And uh, just as a you know pure you know SEC you know, follower, when you talk about players, you're going to kind of have your eye. And we've got him at Georgia. I mean, we all want to see what Eric Gilbert's going to do, and Kenny McIntosh, and you know Brock Bowers. What does he do for an encore? I mean, we got plenty of Georgia. You know, there's ten Georgia guys I can name that we're all excited to see. But other from other teams, um, yeah, Anthony Richardson. That's that that cat. I want to see what he does down at Gainesville this year. All right, I want to ask you one more question. I want to keep you too long, but I want to ask you one more question. Let me just quickly remind folks, though, that we are on the road, normally with Jeff Sintel, assisted by AAA. Jeff taking a little bit of vacation here right now, which I guess he's earned the right to do. Mike, good enough to step in here on a Friday to kind of give us some final thoughts on SEC Media Day. It's going to take us a few weeks to unpack everything that goes on here, certainly a few days at least, but we're doing that with Mike here today. And, of course, you can also do some great things with AAA yourself, including getting a great quote on auto insurance. When you switch and save with AAA, you have the – you know, the opportunity to put hundreds of extra dollars in your pocket just for doing so. So there are a couple of different ways for to kind of get in touch and learn more about this with AAA. You can check out the website, AAA.com slash auto insurance. That's AAA.com slash auto insurance for that. Also give them a call 833-718-2075. That's 833-718-2075 for that on AAA and get a nice quote on some auto insurance and a chance to get some really big savings there for that. Mike, very fast before we let you go, and as I said before, I've taken up a lot of your time already. The next thing for Georgia, other than some obviously recruiting news we'll be watching closely this weekend, is the start of practice right there around the corner to kind of begin uh, the month of August. You know, kind of where do you think this team stands as it gets ready for that and kind of what comes next now that the talking season for the most part is now kind of behind us? Well, there's been a lot of hard work behind the scenes that's already been put in by the Georgia players. You know, they don't advertise it. There's no media access. And, and so we, we, it's all kind of away from our mind. But, you know, for yourself and Jeff and Connor and I, you know, we stay plugged in. And we know that 
there's been a lot of running through, a lot of hot days for these Georgia Bulldog players. The off-season conditioning is brutal. Uh, you know, Scott Sinclair pushes them as, as hard as anybody. And Kirby's all about that conditioning. You know, one of the first things I noticed here when I came on the beat, you know, five years ago, I guess, this season, and was the fact that these guys work out in pads in August. And it's just, I just, I don't even know how they do it. But outside, they've got an indoor building. But these kids have been working really, really, really hard. And the players that were brought looked great. I mean, everybody looks to be in great shape. I haven't heard anything but really good things about the off-season conditioning. So now we're going to get to the part we're going to get to, we're going to start getting into the, you know, the practices here. It's hard to believe it's just a couple weeks away and, and the game planning, um, you know, Kirby's talked about the philosophical approach, the chip on the shoulder, staying the hunter versus the hunted, uh, you know, no complacency. The fact that many of these guys coming back, they, they didn't win the championship. He said, it's been a little easier in that respect um, because they're not complacent because they weren't the ones on the field. Now, a lot of these guys were, these pieces you mentioned, uh, Stetson, certainly Cedric Van Pran, Nolan Smith, Christopher Smith. Um, you know, these are, these are key, you know, a lot of key guys that are back, but there's a lot of newness too. And so I think what we're going to see is some competition, uh, for playing time and roles, particularly in the secondary. I really liked Everett in the spring game. I mean, to me, that's the guy I've got circled back there as a breakout guy. I think he's an absolute star. You know, who's going to be that safety next to Luke? I'm really worried about that, that gap. Uh, you know, Lewis team was very special. He was a very special player. You're not going to fill those shoes completely. Who's the next man up there? Uh, so competition for roles, competition, and then and then the, the wizardry of Todd Munkin. And what does he have for Dan Laney? I mean, you know these guys matched with the practice on a daily basis uh, for the last two years, and now they've had a whole offseason to scheme for one another. And, and that's just fascinating to me, just fascinating. So I can't wait to see the game plan. And, and could we see a four tight end offense? Could we see something that we've never really seen before to this extent? Could Georgia be on the verge of, of rewriting, uh, you know, the, the offensive trends? Could this kind of be a new thing where, you know, instead of these you know, kids playing defensive end that have this incredible size and speed, they become pass catchers like Brock Bowers, like Eric Gilbert, like Darnell Washington, like Oscar Delp? Um, I mean, and, and how in the world is anybody going to stop that? I mean, all Stetson's got to do is throw it in a direction, and these guys are going to body up, or they're going to run by you. I, I just don't know that there's a college defense out there that can physically match up with what Georgia can do at tight end, and then you still have two dynamos in the backfield, maybe three, Dejon Edwards, and along with Kendall and Kenny. That, that you, if you pay too much attention – to those tight ends, they throw to a, and oh, by the way, on the perimeter, you know, Lad McCockey and A.D. Mitchell will run by, and Dominic, if Dominic Blaylock gets back into form, um, I mean, my goodness. So my appetite is wet. Just thinking about what this offense could be and knowing the competition that they had this fall. Mike, great stuff. Thanks for being here on this Friday. Can't wait to read about all of that from you here at dognation.com as we head towards the start of practice. You've earned a great weekend. Hope you get a chance to enjoy it and we will look forward to getting a chance to talk to you back in your normal day of Wednesday next week. So that'll be uh, really fun, and we'll look forward to doing that then. All right. Appreciate it, Dan. Good stuff. Let's take a look around the rest of the league. This is SEC Through. So Mike brought up an interesting word a moment ago when it came to Kirby Smart and recruiting. He said the need to be fluid. Now, what I took that to mean is, hey, you know, you may be kind of a hard-driving traditionalist, but you got to be careful not to be too much of that when it comes to recruiting. And I understand where you're coming from on that. And I think that Smart naturally strikes a balance on that, right? I mean, you know, I think a lot of what people heard from Smart 
in the NIL sense at SEC Media Days was misconstrued. That Smart's actually really pro-NIL. 95 different guys have deals, likes what the NIL money gets used for, but at the same time, he's not afraid to say he has some concerns. To me, the dividing line here is between like rights and responsibilities. Like, you know, Mike even brought up, hey, you know, player rights or whatever, whatever here. And obviously, if you're a player, you're interested in hearing about that. You know, am I free to transfer as much as I want? Am I free to cash in on NIL as much as I want? Am I free to sort of, if, if you're a 17 or 18-year-old guy, you even probably think, am I free to just sort of run wild and do whatever I want to do while I'm on campus? Your rights are really important to you as, you're, as a player. But guess what? When it comes to a recruiting decision, players still are not the only thing that matters. That's true right now. It's going to be true 20 years from now. There are also parents involved there as well. And when it comes to the role that parents play in recruiting, they want to hear more about than just, hey, what does my son have a right to do? They want to hear about the kind of responsibility you're going to hold him to. Because guess what parents want? When it's all said and done, even the day of NIL and even in the age of transfer portal and even the age of this kind of stuff where it seems like, you know, there's a move towards professionalizing college players. Guess what? parents and i talked to plenty of them they still want their young men to be better men on the other side of their college experience so coaches like kirby smart they do i think demonstrate and kirby's not the only coach for whom this is true but we just talk about kirby here on the show coaches like kirby smart do demonstrate that the act of recruiting is more art than science the act of recruiting is understanding that there's a big picture story of what causes a recruit to want to choose a school and some of that really is the hey, you know, is is this coach going to embrace a pro-player culture and, and, and am I going to be comfortable in this building? That's something that Shane Beamer talked about a lot this week. But parents, at least the ones that I took talk to, both those who choose Georgia, in some cases those who choose elsewhere, parents do want their players to be held to a standard. And parents, at least the ones I talk to, seemingly do for the most part want their players to stick or their sons who we think of as players to stick with challenging situations through adversity they don't want their sons transferring four times because honestly on the heels of four different schools and four different years which the NCAA seems to be fine with I'm not quite so sure a better man emerges on the other side of that and I think deep down most parents seem to kind of understand that and so when a guy like Kirby and the staff that he employs and the coaching staffs that he compete against because for the most part they all kind of have similar visions they kind of understand that there's a certain thing that players want to hear and there's a certain thing that parents want to hear and being the kind of coach that's makes players feel comfortable and also makes parents feel comfortable that is the challenge of being a great recruiter it always has been and in the new age which we live i don't think that things are necessarily all actually all that different even with all this new stuff that's kind of going on there all right cruiser on the sec courtesy of royal caribbean great time to be on a royal caribbean cruise ship i'll tell you reach out to our friends the cruise and vacation authority you can pick the royal caribbean cruise vacation that's right for you uh, including you know this is the time of year when a lot of folks are taking those alaskan cruises i think that's a really fun experience i've never been i'd like to go when i go on a cruise i typically am going to one of those caribbean destinations because i'd like to beat the beach i like to get you know work on the tan you know i like to do that kind of stuff uh but the alaskan experience in its own right is an amazing type thing if you want to find more about that you can do that with our friends the cruise and vacation authority there as well but when i see that video if you're watching a video of the fun stuff happening on uh uh perfect day coke okay hard not to want to be there and be a part of that so great chance to take a royal caribbean cruise vacation hope you'll do it 
Cruise and Vacation Authority can help you out with that. TCAVA.com. That is the website. It stands for the Cruise and Vacation Authority or 770-952-8300. That's 770-952-8300. All right. SEC media is concluded yesterday. I think that a couple of coaches had a pretty difficult task, and I sort of think they did the best they could do. Brian Harson spoke and admitted there was a coup attempt against his job, and he says it didn't work. And Mike seemed to not like what Harson had to say yesterday. I, don't, I didn't love it necessarily, but I think he probably handled it as well as it could be handled. I think you have to acknowledge you got to try to move on from it. He sort of knew what the tone was going to be, and I guess he sort of came out of the event still intact like my biggest question related to Auburn is a little bit like what I say about a lot of these teams that have an overall relatively deep level of talent Auburn a little less so than teams like say Florida and LSU and Texas A&M but still you know they kind of rise to the talent threshold required to at least potentially be competitive although their over-under is only five and a half games for the upcoming season but it becomes can you pair quarterback with the talent that you have and that's ultimately where the issue may come from Auburn this is nowhere near as talented a team as it once was, but there's still some talent on the roster. But it's quarterback where you have this like, you know, sort of intense competition that's going to go on. Maybe intense is too strong of a word to use. You're going to have a uh, a long competition. How about that? That may be a better way to say it. And it seems like it's kind of between T.J. Finley, who's been there after having been in LSU, Zach Calzada, who just got there, that's probably sort of viewed as the favorite in all this. I guess to a degree, Robbie Ashford may be somewhat involved in this, uh, but it seems like it's sort of a Calzada-Finley type thing for now. And you know the story on Calzada. He played like a world beater against Alabama, but never really matched that against anybody else for the rest of the season. And obviously, if you're an Auburn fan, you'd love to have what Calzada showed against the Crimson Tide there last year but also if you're in any way logical you're left to assume that what he did the most is probably a better reflection of who he is and what the what he did the most was sort of play average and so if an average quarterback ends up being or even below average quarterback ends up being Auburn starter then given the schedule they play the SEC West plus Georgia this is going to be a very ugly season and next year it'll be somebody else standing at that podium addressing the future of Auburn football at SEC media days Jimbo Fisher found himself in kind of a challenging spot too because he had to try to make amends publicly with Nick Saban now I think most of what he said is probably accurate that people blow up and yell at each other all the time this is just sort of weird because all of it happened very publicly and as Mike Griffith accurately pointed out it happened publicly because that's exactly what Jimbo Fisher wanted to do he was very angry at Nick Saban for the accusations that Saban threw at him and now they have to sort of try to pretend like none of that happened or what we all saw happen doesn't really matter not quite so sure how well that worked for him yesterday I think it is probably fair to assume that there will be a lot of bad blood between Fisher and, and Saban for as long as Saban continues to coach, including this fall when these two teams play against each other, that what you saw was real and the way in which both guys have tried to like move on from it, that's the fake part. But the real part is, is I don't think they like each other very much. And not everybody has to like each other. Like, you know, I think that, that Saban is very comfortable with the former assistants and they don't threaten him very much. Like, Lane Kiffin genuflects to Saban all the time, so therefore Saban's more than willing to kind of prop up Lane. You know, there was an ESPN story about Lane Kiffin last year. Saban was a willing source for that story. Kirby Smart doesn't do that kind of thing. He feels like it's other coaches' jobs to tout themselves. But Saban's always willing to tout Lane Kiffin because he knows that Lane Kiffin in no form or fashion is a threat to him whatsoever. It's the same way at SEC Media Days 
Uh, Saban had all these nice things to say about Steve Sarkeesian. Once again, that's a coach that he does not view as a threat. But former assistants like Jimbo, certainly Kirby Smart, it's kind of funny. The more successful they become, the more their relationship with Saban seems to sour. And there's plenty of evidence on both uh, accounts that the relationship that Kirby and Jimbo both have with Saban is nowhere near what it once was. And I think it's fairly easy to read between the lines about why that might be. And then the other coach was there yesterday, Josh Heupel in Tennessee. The best I can tell, Tennessee was actually a little undercovered compared to what I thought they might get at media days. Maybe that's a part of being like the final day and, you know, kind of the end of the whole deal. I think that the media is a little fatigued by the time you get to the end there on that. Uh, but nonetheless, uh, that was kind of the story there on that. Also, awkward transition to a sad story, but it's one you may be aware of already. We need to make sure we mention Phil Petty, the former South Carolina quarterback, has passed away. Um you see on the screen if you're watching video coverage from the state the newspaper there in columbia on that this is incredibly sad you know when petty was at south carolina the gamecocks were a very relevant uh program petty earned a lot of big wins during his career including beating georgia once um he was also he was the quarterback that was involved in the david pollock touchdown play up i believe if, if i'm remembering correctly from the 2002 game but you know you think about like that moment uh, that era, I mean, South Carolina, Georgia meant a lot back then. Uh, Petty, as I said before, while Gamecocks quarterback earned a lot of big wins, there are a lot of people in the state of South Carolina, justifiably so, incredibly sad by this. We joined them, and I mean, just terrible news. Only 43 years old. Incredibly sad. No cause of death has been given on this. Just, uh, just horrible. Just horrible. So sincerely, as sincerely as we're capable of doing, we send out prayers to Petty's family, the South Carolina football family, you know, you get to know a lot of these guys over the years. I don't know him personally, didn't know him personally, but you certainly know of him and have memories of him going back, you know, 20 years ago. And it has just gone way too soon. So truly very, very sad news and condolences to everyone uh, touched by the life of Phil Petty, the South Carolina folks, the uh, family and everything, just incredibly sad. So awkwardly, we'll make that your SEC through. And I do want to transition to something that's a little bit happier, um, awkwardly doing so obviously but we got something really cool going on at dognation.com right now which maybe you've seen and it's in partnership with the atlanta braves and i think that's going to be a really fun thing we're doing a fan poll there at dognation.com uh it's going to be a new question each week you get a chance to kind of uh express your voice about a topic like right now we're asking who's going to have the most receiving yards the upcoming season you know some folks voting for brock bauer some folks voting for lad mcconkey other guys kind of getting some votes in there on that Anytime you get a chance to sort of vote on something like that, that's always kind of a really fun thing to do. But here's what's even more fun. For our fan poll at dognation.com, we're actually partnering with the Atlanta Braves, and each week we're going to get a family four-pack of tickets to give away. Now, isn't that a fun thing? So all you got to do is uh, after you vote, you got to uh, enter your email into the box on the results page where you entered. So just pop that email right there in that. And you could be drawn as a winner for a family four-pack of tickets for the Braves game. We're going to do this uh, all summer long, getting ready for the playoffs for the Atlanta Braves uh, coming up. And that's going to be a great thing. So, listen, I think it's a great time to be going to the Atlanta Braves. Obviously, getting ready to start the second half. Angels coming in tonight. Uh, that's a fun series. But down the stretch, the Braves are going to be playing some very big baseball. And each week at DogNation.com, we're going to be giving away a family four-pack 
of tickets to someone who participates in our Dog Nation fan poll. So please make sure you check that out there at DogNation.com. And a huge thanks to the Atlanta Braves for partnering with us on what's going to be a, uh, a great deal there for all of that. Also, Fridays around here means the big finish to the week, courtesy of our friends at the Finish Long Drink. And I want to show off somebody having a great time. Listen, this is what we love. We love folks enjoying their summer. We love folks enjoying just having a good time in life. And that's what the Finish Long Drink's all about there as well. So we do the big finish here presented by the Finish Long Drink. We celebrate that there as well. Let me show you this here. Somebody who sent this to me this week, having a great time enjoying themselves some Finish Long Drink. Jeff Doak says, look what's behind the bar at the King and Prince Golf Club at St. Simon's. He says, between that and some Jack Davis originals, which by the way, we love the artwork of Jack Davis. Uh, he says it's in the men's locker room. He says this is absolutely dog country, and you see some finished long drink right there. That's right. Wherever good dog fans are getting together, folks around Dog Nation, you know the finished long drink is going to be a part of that. And how about a great day there? Uh, the King and Prince, beautiful part of uh, St. Simon's, playing a little golf down there, and I'm glad to see Jeff Doak enjoying himself, and I'm glad to see him taking some finished long drink with him when he does that uh right down there at the king and prince and saint simons we appreciate them for stocking that finished long drink and we appreciate all of you for enjoying it there as well and if you haven't tried some go to the longdrink.com and you can find out where you can pick some up today including apparently right there at the golf club at the king and prince right there in saint simons georgia and as we say goodbye to all of you here for the uh weekend we'll do so with a couple of really fun golden shoes to wrap up the week let's show you the first one on the screen here right now so carson brown's in this to me we have had some fun at the expense of takio spikes here this week because takio picked south carolina to upset george takio being a former high school teammate of our good friend terrence edwards they're good friends with each other and so we talked to terrence about this yesterday carson says maybe we should forgive takio for his asinine take on the south carolina game he did give us some respect today and it shows uh, Takio touting Jalen Carter as a possible Heisman candidate beyond Will Anderson there from uh, from Alabama. So, yeah, we'll give Takio a little credit for that. At least he knows who Jalen Carter is, and at least he knows what Carter could do this upcoming season. So good stuff from Carson there on that. Our buddy Mad Dog has his take on the new Kirby Smart contract. You see the dollars falling from the sky, and Mad Dog says the University of Georgia making it rain for their national championship winning head coach, Kirby Smart. He says, go dogs. Good stuff from a mad dog on that. We'll give him a golden shoe there as well. And guess what? Florida coaches, they're not making nearly as much money. And a lot of those wins against Florida is why Kirby's as well paid as he is, the national championship coach. But for Florida, it's been 4,943 days since they have won a national championship. Lousy, stinking Gators indeed. And guess what? Now, 99 days from right now, Georgia gets that win again in Jacksonville. That is our Gatorator countdown. We will see you back here, pre-recorded on Monday, live again on Tuesday for Dog Nation Daily, presented by Kroger. We'll look forward to talking to you then, everybody. And on the podcast, time now for the R.S. Andrews podcast, Cool Down. Let me give you kind of a programming note, then I also want to offer you a little bit of a sad note here, if you don't mind. So on Saturday, as you know, Janelle Aguero is going to make his commitment decision today. Kelton Smith is going to make his commitment decision. So, so we're going to be live on video reacting to this on Saturday. And since we're pre-recorded on Monday, I know you've heard me say this already, but I just want to kind of explain all this. So for the podcast cool down for Monday show, I'm going to attach the the video from Saturday as kind of our version of the cool down there, kind of reacting to that recruiting news. So if that's what you want to hear, you can just sort of fast forward to that point if you want to. But we will attach that as a part of Monday show. And 
just want to make sure you're kind of aware of all of that, that we'll have a little bit of Aguero, a little bit of Smith reaction, whatever their choices are, we'll have some reaction to it. And we'll do it at the end of the show on Monday as part of a podcast cool down because the show was recorded on Thursday. It was recorded yesterday to air on Monday. So that is that. And if you have a chance to join us live on video, that's great too. And of course, we'll have a show like you've come to expect it pretty much like normal on Monday as well. Also, a guy that a lot of y'all know on Twitter, uh, Wiser Dog, um, has shared some sad news. And he says, it's with a heavy heart that I share this post from Sharon's Facebook. Uh, Mary Justice, uh, a DGD, died this morning. She was a silver dog group formed to help people on game day at Sanford. I came to know her the past few years. She loved the dogs. And he shares the uh, picture. Uh, it was Sharon Davis on Facebook who had shared this. The picture of uh, Mary Justice here. And I knew Mary as well. Um, I would see her at games all the time. And the Silver Dogs, many of you are aware of this. When Georgia went to Notre Dame in 2017, Notre Dame, and listen, I don't you know, love Notre Dame, a lot of you don't either, but this is just the genuine truth. The Notre Dame folks were very hospitable, very, very nice, very welcoming to Georgia, very happy to see so many Georgia fans there. And they just really behaved in a classy manner. Like as much as it pains me to admit, they really were just incredibly um you know, classy there that day. And so and inspired Georgia to kind of do something similar with its own home game environment. That's what, where the Silver Dogs kind of got their star. And uh, Mary was as good an example of, of that as you can possibly be. Um, uh, Barkalot on, on Twitter, this is at MKDG Dog, uh, says, I met Mary several times on game days. She was such a nice lady with a big personality, smile on her face. She is a, a dog in heaven for sure. And it's no doubt true and just incredibly nice. The Silver Dogs in general, just a program that I've really enjoyed. I interact with a lot of them on game day because of where I walk into the stadium and they're always just really, you know, very kind and very happy. And Mary, as much as anybody would see her at road games too, um, traveling a lot and doing that. I I didn't know she was ill. I, I don't know the story behind this but it is just incredibly sad because this was a really really bright spot to my game day and for many of you much the same way i'm going to probably mention this on tuesday show and i'm kind of back in a live format for video again uh to pay appropriate tribute there but at least wanted to mention this on the podcast here today and certainly hate ending the week on a down note but many of you um probably met mary and knew her so wanted to just express that sadness there over her loss and she will certainly be missed on game days at Sanford Stadium but also for anybody who ever interacted with her uh, no doubt your hearts and minds filled with great memories of somebody who loved UGA but also just really loved people too and ultimately that's what our Georgia fandom is really about it's about connecting with people some that we know really well and some that we see six seven times a year but um, it's those connections that make the act of being a Georgia fan really special and Mary was obviously a very big part of that so I really appreciate Wiser Dog and m uh ktg dog on twitter sharing with me more information about that so true true sincere prayers going out to uh, her family and everybody who knew her today and we will miss her and we just appreciate all of you who uh, interact with us and good times bad times and everything in between um it is special to be able to have this relationship we talk about these kinds of things here as a part of our rs andrews podcast cool down and uh dog nation daily there as well so some days the news is sad today certainly an example of that so i did want to make you aware and thank you for being here as i said before you can check out rs andrews on um 
line at rsandrews.com for your air conditioning, heating, plumbing, and electric needs. They'll show up, and you got a water heater issued. In many cases, they can replace it for you the same day. So make sure you find them online for that at rsandrews.com. We will be here Monday for a show, and check out the podcast, Cool Down, when it's over with, for reaction to the Janelle Aguero and the Kelton Smith news, and then normal format again there on Tuesday. But for the podcast, folks, it's basically going to be normal on Monday there as well. So have a great weekend. We will see you then. Dog Nation Daily presented by Kroger. Talk to you soon, everybody.